0: Well, it is uh, great to have all of you here, uh, no matter where you're joining us uh, from this morning. And as Ryan was just saying, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Romans chapter 12 here. Uh, let me open up with this, though. Um, well, well. one, I am so looking forward to next Sunday and next Friday as well, and just uh, want to invite all of you to be a part of those. Um, so uh, not too long ago here, I was expecting a package from FedEx, and I was very excited about this package that would be coming. I was following it uh, with the tracking number on my phone, and I knew it was going to come this uh, one afternoon, because... Uh, um, This is about the time that the FedEx guy would show up and sure enough, I saw the silhouette of the FedEx guy, you know, go uh, by the window and I move over to the front door, the doorbell rings, I open up the door and it is not the FedEx guy. And I was so disappointed. And then I became even more disappointed because, um, as the conversation ensued, uh, like I opened up the door, you know, and he could, he was, I, I know he was probably like, wow, this guy opens the door with like fervor and excitement for whoever. And he started off by saying, so I have been helping out some of your friends here in the neighborhood and I'm sure that they would want me to come by and uh, see if I could help you out too. At which I was just like, hmm. I feel a little leery right now, like 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 you know, like i just like, okay, I've, what's your angle in this thing? And he kept talking and, you know, and he complimented me and some other things and it was so nice and so polite. And as it continued to go, like, I, it just everything in it was just like, okay, like, like I, don't, I don't understand what all the politeness is about and you're saying all these nice things. I think you're, and then sure enough, it happened, right? Then it was just like, he wanted me to buy something. And I was like, aha, I, like I knew it, right? And it was just, there was this thing like from the very beginning. Um, It didn't matter that what he was saying was nice and how you know my neighbors uh, you know uh, were so helpful and he was sure that they you know they uh, uh, wanted me to take advantage of this and all this stuff. There was something about it that was disingenuous right. And. And I bet you've experienced things in a similar way. You've had moments where there was some interaction where maybe somebody was saying something really nice, but in the back of your mind, you're going, I don't trust this, I don't trust this, right? Because there's something that just doesn't feel good, even when it's supposed to land well, but you don't believe that it's genuine. Ever have a relationship like that? or a work relationship like that, or something where you just, like, you felt a little on guard, it probably didn't feel very well. Ever have a time where maybe uh, you thought it was something and then it wasn't? And you felt like, I've just invested all of this energy into something that really was not genuine? Let me ask you a question. How did that make you feel? Like, what was that moment like? Because it's hard to be a human, isn't it? And not have moments where you experience that. And it just, it leaves you feeling icky. It's it's like it carries this kind of residue. It it puts you on guard the next time you're uh, interacting with that person. Or maybe it puts you on guard um, every time there's someone at your front door. Or uh, maybe when you go to uh, buy something. And you know, that thing that we all go through in this, and I was thinking about this this week, you know, um, the thing that none of us needs to spend any more time in at all is in disingenuous relationships, right? Like if you never spent another minute of your time uh, managing, investing in an uh, insincere relationship or moment, like that would, right, that'd be great. Because there's probably moments that you feel pulled into it and you question it, you wonder it, about it. And it's, and it just, it has a way of draining you, doesn't it? Well, you know, I think in some ways that is exactly why Paul writes something that he writes in this that is uh, so important here. Um, and it gets at the heart of this passage. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. And as you do, let me just set up the very first part of Romans 12 here. He uh, he starts off uh, chapter 12, and he's speaking to the to uh, the this beautiful picture of the church when it is filled with unity when it's working together when people are using their spiritual gifts and we do it in humility and we do it for concern and love for one another. I mean it's like this he's building up this amazing thing and then he gets to verse 9 and this is the verse that we're going to look at and it's like he anchors all of that in verse 9 and then we're going to see in the weeks that come that as he plays out all of these different things that flow out of this it's like they also anchor back to something that. Has happens here in verse 9. And so I really want to spend my time this morning looking at verse 9 and just uh, what this means. So uh, if you have your Bibles, look uh, with me at uh, Romans chapter 12. Look at uh, starting in verse 9. We'll read just part of verse 12 here. It says this, let love be genuine abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good love one another with brotherly love right and so he makes this uh, powerful statement here uh, and I want to just start with how he leads off with verse 9 here um, with this idea of let love be genuine right and when he speaks of this he uses the word agape agape love which of course is the deepest uh, type of love that you can find in the Greek language It, it carries this idea of unconditional love a love filled with grace and and understanding and care for the other person. And then he says, and let let that love, let agape be genuine here, uh, he says in this. And the whole idea of being genuine, think about that for a moment, right? Um, Because to be genuine or sincere, some of you, it may be translated sincere, love must be sincere or let love be sincere. To be genuine, uh, it means that you're not pretending. There's something about agape love that doesn't pretend. It doesn't act as if it is in your best interest when really it's about the interest of something else. But it's just using this because that's how it moves you. That that that's not what agape love does. And what I find interesting, the, the question that it, it kind of gets begged here, is if all of us in one way or another have probably experienced a kind of disingenuous uh, love or relationship or moment, and none of us like it, right? There, there's moments where if we feel it coming, like we will we'll guard against it. We'll, we'll protect our answers and, and, and kind of shield ourselves from it. And if that's true, why is it that he feels the need here? to speak so directly to it and make it kind of this anchor moment in the passage. And I think part of it in just processing through this is that for as much as we don't like it, there's a part of us that can easily be pulled into pretending it at times like it's like just being human there's something about being human that pulls us into these moments of pretending and sometimes we can do it and not even realize it and I want to just highlight a couple of ways that we easily uh, can be pulled into pretending uh, here uh, and the first one is this um, it's easy to pretend with others right there are, there are moments where we, we can just get pulled into pretending uh, with others uh, ever uh, find yourself talking with someone And maybe you asked them a question about something and as they started to give you an answer for this or maybe explain their answer, you found yourself going, it kind of feels like you're just kind of thinking of this like off the top of your head right now. And then they, they keep going and they talk some more and you're just like yeah, I don't think you had an answer to this when I first asked you. And now you're just like, you're just pretending like you had an answer and you're just like talking in circles until like, until you have something that feels like an answer in this, right? Like we've all experienced that at moments where where you ask the question and someone does that. But you know, the reality is that person probably wasn't doing that because um, like intentionally, they may have even been doing it sub- subconsciously. It It could have been as simple as they're just going, you know, I just don't want to be that person that, that can't answer that question, that didn't know. And so I'm going to pretend like I know, and I'm going to start talking and try and come up with an answer, right? Like that happens. It's... Is there something, oh, we're back. All right. To all of you, wherever you are in the world right now, we're back. Um, so it's not like, right, that person probably was like, gosh, I don't have an answer for them, and I hate to be that person without an answer, so let me see here. I'm going to come up with a big, fat lie. I'm just going to make something up in my head so that this person will think I know the answer to it, right? People rarely do that. It's just, we kind of fall into it because, for whatever reason, and if we're really honest, there's probably moments when we do it, when I do it. Ever find yourself running late to meet somebody and as you realize you're running late, it's like all of these creative thoughts flood your brain with like, wow, I'm going to get real creative with how I answer why I'm late, right? Because you don't want to go, well, you know, I just managed my time really poorly. And I kind of forgot about you. You know, I just, you slipped my mind as if I didn't, you know, well, you know, it's, just, it's like, well, no, I don't want to be that person. I just, and yet we find ourselves at moments where we just hold into it at times. Is it me? All right. Um, another way uh, that this happens, uh, and this is a, quite honestly, uh, in some ways, the harder way. Uh, or at least the harder one for us in some ways and it's this, it's easy to pretend with ourselves. Um, There's a fascinating uh, research study that came out, in fact there's been a number of studies that have been done on this that actually reveal something about you and me and all human beings that is kind of bizarre but really insightful uh, on this. Um, So they were, uh, I don't know when, but way back when at some point they were doing these surveys and these research studies and they would come up with a body of evidence and then they would find that it would disagree with other uh, uh, research that had been done and what they discovered is that oftentimes when people are answering a anonymous survey, right? No one is going to know the answer that uh, you give that you will lie on an anonymous survey, right? There's like nothing to lose. No one's going to find out about it. Well, one of the examples that they used uh, was uh, reading or buying uh, tabloid magazines, right? And they were doing a research study on this, and they asked all these questions, and of course part of what came out were just like, okay, how many people are actually reading and buying tabloid magazines? And then they compared it, Uh, They realized that when you actually compare it to how many, you know, tabloid magazines actually get sold, the numbers weren't even close. What they realized is there are way more people that are actually buying tabloid magazines than people that are admitting to it. And again, this is on an anonymous survey. This is, no one's gonna know. So you get asked the question, you know, have you bought a tabloid magazine? Oh no, not me, you know. And it's like, what's going on with this? Interestingly enough, you know what the, uh, another one that came up was church. People love to say, we go to church. And if you, and you, they'll do these surveys. And if you were to add up all the people that say, yes, I was in church this last Sunday or I was at church two out of the last three Sundays and then you actually look statistically at how many people are in church and oftentimes it's not even close. But part of it, part of what's going on here is that that like we can pretend and you think about this. Think about someone is taking an anonymous survey. No one will see this except for them. Who are they pretending to? See, there's a part of it where at times we'll pretend for ourselves. And it's just because oftentimes there can be that simple conflict of just like, well, I just, I don't want to be that kind of person. And yet I, I kind of am, or we can find ourselves in these conflicts and just find ourselves being disingenuous, even with ourselves. Maybe. You found that with you. Simple little exercise, and and like like don't answer out loud in this moment, but um, just processing it this week. I, I wrote down this question, um, and it's and it's just finish this sentence. I don't like that sometimes I can dot 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 what. Sometimes I don't like it that I can be completely unorganized, and I can miss meetings. And it can be my lack of planning that puts people behind the eight ball. And I don't like that. I'd like to think of myself as always being organized. and Always on top of things. And no one has to wait on me. And I suppose if I was taking an anonymous survey, I, I could pretend to myself. Because there's a part of me that would want to be that. Maybe for you it's something else. Maybe it's... I don't like that sometimes I can become more angry than what I think I should or I don't like that sometimes I can become frustrated about being a parent because there's a part of you that maybe says I I wish I was the kind of parent that never got frustrated and just loved parenting all of the time or I wish I was the kind of person that didn't have worry or stress and then I just took everything in stride right we all have those moments where we can pretend. But here's the beautiful thing about what what he pulls us towards, this idea of genuine love. Because there's a kind of genuine love that is for you and is for others and for us to be able to live in. And what he says next here, I think, I think, is a little mind-blowing. So I want to close out and just look at these next two phrases uh, that he has uh, here, right? Uh, the next thing he says here is he says um, hate or abhor what is evil. And then he says and cling to what is good. Now most often when we read that passage the way we take that um, and this is a hard passage to translate into English because there's not a good way to do it in English. Um, as we take it is like okay You know, love is always sincere or genuine, and I need, I need to hate what is evil, and I need to go around, I need to cling to what is good what's actually happening uh, here with this. So uh, take the word hate or abhor. Uh, You know there are several different words in Greek that you can use that you could translate hate or abhor. Um, This particular Greek word that Paul uses here, this is the only place in all of scripture that it is ever used. This one time and that's it. And it carries this interesting idea. More than the idea of of this strong sense of like just dislike I just, I, I hate that or I dislike that it carries the idea of repulsion driving away like whoa and it's just like I I gotta get that away from me that's the idea that it's carrying here and when you look at the at this the structure of the syntax and the sentence here it's not speaking to you and me it is it is clearly an agent um it is the verbal action or the agent of genuine love It is genuine love that hates, that abhors, that drives away evil. That's what he's saying. This is not a command for you and I to go out and hate what is evil. He wants us to understand that there is something about the nature of genuine love. It hates evil, but not just it dislikes it. It like drives it away. Now think about that for a moment. Like there's this quality to genuine love. What happens when genuine love is present? What happens when someone says, you know what? I'm going to love that person for their good. I'm going to look past some of of my needs and I'm going to think about what they need. I'm going to think about what is goodness to them. And I'm not going to work them for an angle for what I need. I'm going to seek to love them the way Christ would love them. You know what that does? That has a way of just pushing evil in the world away. It's like things that are evil, things that would want to take advantage of people. Like it, like it has this way of pushing it away. Think about this. We've all probably experienced this in one way or another. Have you ever had a moment where there was a contention or there was like, you know, strife of some sort? Maybe, maybe it was someone in your family and one person, one person goes i'm so sorry right and the other person's like oh like i'm 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 going to give you all the reasons why you're and one person just goes oh my gosh i'm sorry i didn't mean to do that I, and it's just like phew, it just makes it really hard to argue with your spouse when your spouse is just like i'm sorry right it's just and that's what he's getting at and he's saying like when we live in that kind of love when we let agape be genuine. I don't have to go out and hate and drive away evil because there is something to the nature of loving in a genuine way that does that. Now here's the other cool thing. And and this is so cool. So the next uh, uh, phrase in this is cling to what is good. But it, this is yet different than the idea of whor, abhor uh, what is evil. So what he's not saying here is that genuine love goes out and clings to what is good, right? It does, it, it hates or abhors what is evil. But cling here in the, in the language is in the passive voice. So here's what that means. It is not that genuine love is doing the clinging of good. What he's saying is... Goodness always clings to genuine love. When there is genuine love, it is like a magnet for what is good. It pulls in goodness. That when we live in the genuine agape love of Christ, it has a way, it pulls goodness to itself. Goodness clings to it. And you know, Like, we've experienced this at moments. You know, I think about all of the craziness going in, going on in our world. And yet there are these snippets of goodness, isn't there? There are moments when you see, uh, like you'll see a police officer love someone that is on the other side of a protest line or you see a a police officer that, that takes off his helmet and takes a step forward. You see a protester that does the same thing and all of a sudden, there is something in every one of us that feels that and we're drawn to that. We're like, yes, that is what we want. That is the thing. I admire that in that law enforcement. There's something you just, you see that and you're drawn to that. There is something that is inspiring about that. And do you see what Christ is getting at? He's saying, church, I want you to work together in humility. I want you to use your gifts, and you're all going to have different gifts. And I want you to be this kind of unified spirit that is moving in this world with love. But here is what it's all anchored to. It is anchored to agape that is set free to be genuine. Because when that happens, evil gets pushed back and goodness gets pulled in. But you understand there's also this flip side to this. There's this implication that comes out of it. Where there is not genuine love, a door is open, an opportunity is made for evil to come in. In the same way that genuine love abhors and and pushes away evil, when genuine love is absent, it becomes the opportunity for evil. It becomes the opportunity for division and it becomes the opportunity for strife. It becomes the opportunity for hurt feelings and misunderstandings and and all of those things that we hate. And the way, and and here's what I love about what he's saying. Our job isn't that we have to go around hating everything we identify as evil and clinging to everything we identify as good. Let agape be sincere and genuine and evil will start getting pushed away and goodness will start being pulled in so let me close with two ways to just applicate this uh, really uh, quickly here Um, two ways to just kind of live this out and we're going to take the uh, we're going to take a number of weeks here and play this out further but let me just close out with with two things here and the first one is this Genuine love genuinely seeks the good of others, not just words, right? It's not just words. It is cultivating a heart that actually seeks the good of the other, even if it's the person you disagree with, even if it is your enemy, Jesus would say. You know, it's interesting experience this in a, in a fascinating way. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe a year ago, uh, Angie uh, bought another car. It's kind of time for her to get a new car. She wanted a different type of, uh, of car. And so uh, we went shopping, went to a used car uh, place, and... Um, there's, there's, a, there, there's a certain reputation that used car salesmen have in our culture, right? And so if you're a used car salesman, I am not placing this on you right now. You are probably a fantastic used car salesman. But we all understand, right? There's a kind of reputation that used car salesmen would have that we joke about, we think about in our culture, um, that they wouldn't necessarily be genuine, That they, right? That they're working that angle. And so, you know, Angie and I, we go to uh, get a used car, and here we are, and I'm kind of on guard, I'm thinking, okay, you know, whatever he says about complimenting us and oh, this would be the best, whatever. I'm just like, I don't know, I'm not gonna trust it. I'm not gonna trust it, right? And so uh, we had looked at a number of different lots and uh, different uh, worked with a number of different salesmen, and there was one salesman in particular. And as we started uh, working with this guy, it kind of came down, and we kind of figured out uh, the car that Angie really wanted. She, you know, she test drove a number of them and sat on them and just everything. She said, this is one. And as it started to become more and more clear, the car that she. Really really wanted it became very clear at this point they didn't have one of these cars at this lot and my first instinct was this guy is going to just try and steer us right out of that and onto something that they actually have on the lot right that was my assumption and he did nothing of the kind in fact there was a moment where he said you know just hearing you talk and actually watching you I I wish we had one of these but that's the one you really would most want and would be the best one for you. And he just like, I was shocked. Like all of a sudden there came this moment where I, where I was like, I think he really did want our good. I know I, I knew he wanted to sell a car, but he also wanted our good. And there was something about that that changed the whole experience. In fact, Angie and I kind of stalled on getting her uh, her car. She actually kind of stalled out on a little bit. Uh, she was actually looking online at the same place and realized that uh, in a few days they were going to be getting a couple of these cars in that she wanted. And she waited and went back to that salesman because there was something genuine about what he wanted for her good that was honest. And it just... There was something beautiful about it. Now, that can be a hard thing to want, isn't it? Right? Like there's sometimes where you just say, yes, I love the idea of wanting good for the other person, but I have some people in my life that I want good for them a little less than I want for other people. And we're all like that at moments. In fact, you might go, it wouldn't necessarily be really genuine for me to say that I want good in their life. But you know, I bet you could get to this. I bet even if you don't want good in their life right now, you could want to want good in their life right now. And you know what? That can be a great next step. In fact, you heard Miles a little earlier. He was talking about prayer. Maybe identify that person this week and go, you know what, God, if I'm really genuine, I don't want good for them right now, but I want to want good for them. And God, would you move me from wanting to want good in their life to actually wanting that good? And watch what God does because his genuine love in your life just might move you towards that in an amazing way. One last thing uh, with this to apply this and it's this Um, genuine love genuinely sees the good of the other. Right there is something that we can all get pulled into. That when we feel strife, when you know, like maybe it's a close friend or something, and there's just and you feel that strife, it's really easy to start seeing that person as a label. Start seeing them in a very myopic way. We can do this uh, uh, in larger ways too. We can we can look at the other side. You know, like you can you know union and management. You can like you can divide up our our, our society in all these different ways and we can make it so that there can be a person or group of persons that we see in one way. And what happens is we can't see any good in them anymore. But the truth is it is there because Jesus has put it there. God created it in them. And so maybe the next step in order to step into that genuine love is to say Christ, help me to see the goodness in them that you see in them. Because if I can't see the goodness in someone else that Christ readily sees in them, it makes it really hard for me to love and want goodness for that person. And so maybe it just starts with acknowledging, even if I can't see it, I'm gonna trust that God in his sovereignty has created goodness in them in some way. And maybe, maybe you'll come to watch that genuine kind of love flow in a way that starts driving evil further and further away from wherever you are and starts drawing goodness in until goodness just, it's like, clings to you like a magnet. That is the beauty of what Paul is saying uh, here in this. Let me pray, let me pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much For Paul's words and we thank you for your vision and your dream of a church that works together that finds unity that is anchored in your genuine sincere love and we pray that you would coach us that you would pull us that you would empower us that you would infuse us as your church with that same genuine love that we that we can be the church that Paul spoke of. And we pray this in your son's name, amen.